All right, man. Welcome to Crow Triple Seven live stream on Sunday night. Hope everybody's doing as well as they can out there. Let's open up with a little bit of positivity and a little bit of reality. Um, sitting where I do, doing what I do, you cannot imagine the number of emails or messages I see. Um, there's been a lot of fear creeping in as we've gone along here. Uh, it's almost at fever pitch. So let's point out some true things. There's a thing called universal law. And universal law dictates that no one can basically rob you of your free will. That's why lies are told, to make people afraid. Hopefully that fear will get them to act in a way that the other party wants them to act. It, that, that is your choice. If you get so scared, you give up your free will. The other day we were looking around, well, I'm not even going to go down that road. This is what I'm going to say. Every human being here that's listening to me has the divine spark and you have free will and you can prove that by walking to your front door and deciding whether you want to go through it, not go through it, stand there, turn left, turn right. That is an example that proves you have free will. If you demand the rights of your free will, no one can abridge it. And if they do, then they've got hell to pay at some point. And everybody in a powerful position knows this. And I think it's a critical thing to understand because I think a lot of people feel like they're backed up against the wall and there are no choices. But in fact, there is every choice. Things may be hard because you can't do the things you normally did. But the point is, is any choice you make is your own until you give it up. And at the basis of everything that's happened, what this is about is free will, whether people will stand and demand that their free will is unimpeded or whether they buckle. But anyhow, welcome, Jason. And a fine, good early evening it is. At least it is here. Yeah. It's a beautiful day. Yeah, we, we've got rain. We had a good day yesterday. My wife and I walked down to the beach. I had my shorts on. I keep thinking I can scare the last vestiges of winter away. But it was kind of <laughs> cold down there. It was ironic. Someone on the other side of the river had, who lives across from me, apparently, um, said they took their children down and went swimming. I said, you're braver than me, a little too cold for me yet. Um, but it was beautiful. The water is so clear. The air from lack of boat traffic and auto traffic. You know, they're showing places like L.A., which I grew up with, with such clean air right now. Um, there are some nice side effects, but let's face it. Um, this thing that's going on is happening. And so the idea that we somehow need to keep harping on it and screaming about it, um, I don't agree. We know what's going on, and we know that it's going to happen. And if we boil it down and keep a positive mind, what it basically means is each of us is going to have some choices to make. And at the base of it all, what's on the table here is your free will. If you agree to give up your free will, then you're no longer a free human being, unless you fight to get it back somehow, which I don't think is the greatest option in the world. And I think these are critical things to keep in mind. And I would also add, whenever you see people who have been trained for emergency situations like an ambulance driver or a fire person, when they pull up on some of the gnarliest things a human being can experience, they don't lose their lunch. They don't freak out. They don't get depressed. They zero in, they focus up, and they plan to do the best decision making of their life in these moments. I would suggest that's our time right now for each of us. And there is no reason to be afraid, and there is no reason to be sucked down into a negative vortex. The truth of it is, people with power have done a lot of bad things. 
The truth of it is we have not. The truth of it is someone's going to pay at some point for having done a lot of bad things. But at the base of it, your free will is what's on the table here. So, Jason, um, we talked a little bit about what we'd like to cover um, so that we don't become another one of these truther channels that are just screaming fearful things um, nonstop. And we decided we'd talk a little bit more about Walter Russell. Um, for those listening, one of the recent times you've heard Walter Russell come up on my podcast was with Dr. Bear Lando, who was actually the first person that I've met since I've been doing this who was educated enough about Walter Russell to say some intelligent things, which spurred us on to get an introduction to the director of the Russell Museum, who will be appearing on Crow 777 Radio on Thursday. And through that connection, we were introduced to the science officer of the Russell Museum, who knows the nuts and bolts of the actual things that Mr. Russell talked about in his 39 days of illumination. That's right, he's considered an illuminated man. And I think these are important things. Because when you look at what Russell did and how he looked at the world and said, all this is misdescribed. And by the way, I spent 30, 39 days in illumination. And so I wrote down what I saw and learned and knew in those 39 days. The Universal One, the book that we've referenced, came out of those 39 days. It has been edited exactly zero time. Not once has it been edited since he laid it down. And that just kind of bolsters the importance. But at the base of it all, what if you could have a better view of how reality works, how matter is created? What's the actual relationship between us and the sun and moon? For that matter, what's the actual relationship between me and my wife, you and your girlfriend, you and your daughter? Um, can that be quantified in some meaningful way that actually matches nature? And of all the things I've seen, there are a number that come close to the mark, and Russell is right up there for me at the top. Um, and by the way, in the book The Universal One, he has endless full-page diagrams that he drew by hand to try to communicate what he's on about. Um, you'll find out in the episode, what is it, Jason, 215, I think? Um, yes. Yeah, 2.15, which is next next Thursday, um, you'll find out that he mastered what's called the seven arts. So we're talking things like painting, um, uh, sculpture, things like this. <clears throat> For anyone who wants to get a jump on what we're about to cover, more than once, after we have on the director of the museum, we will come back to the science officer, and I will again go at trying to put what I feel are provably common sense narratives about the actuality of our world, and we'll cover these things. But if you go to philosophy.org, and that's kind of a tell too, isn't it? Um, that he was important enough. How, how many places in the world do you suppose would like to have the top level domain philosophy? Um, <laughs> I'm just saying, but if you want to go to philosophy.org, you can poke around and start to get some things. Now, a number of people have gone out to get the Universal One, and there's a story behind the book. Um, in the intro, I think that's where I saw it. I'm not sure. I hope I get this right. Somewhere I read this. Um, there was a doctor who was exposed to what Walter Russell was laying down, and he was so impressed, he said, I'll foot the bill to print a beautiful, hardback, quality book, which he did, with no intention of making money or getting his cash back, um, just simply based on the idea that this is so critically important, I will spend, I think, 
if I remember correctly, it was like more than a hundred grand. And this is like back in the thirties, I think some, sometime like that, a lot of money back in the day. Um, and, and he put this book out. So a lot of my followers who are like me, not filthy rich, went to look, I think the book goes for about 50 bucks. I don't know if there's cheaper versions, but I want to tell you, if you're interested in getting the universal one and you do not live check to check, give, pay the 50 bucks or whatever it is to the Walter Russell establishment to keep it going in this world. If you don't, there are PDFs published, which you won't hear me say too often, but the ideas are so critically important and it doesn't take much to search the PDF online. So anyhow, there's all that, Jason. Well, let me take a moment since we got a whole bunch all at once there right to the beginning to say hello to all of our super chats and thank them. AB, Stephen J, Paul Martinson, 420 GMF and Rachel New York Truth. Hopefully I got them all. I just had to go rooting back through the uh, the chat room because I wasn't able to keep up with it at first. Got a very active chat today. Hello to everybody in case I missed you. Yeah, how many people are here? We're, we're up over 400, I guess. Over like, there's 400 on... on YouTube and 178 on DLive. So not bad at all. We're bigger than a side of bacon. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, anyhow, um, we're working on some other ideas because when all this everybody's going to touch each other and kill each other nonsense started, uh, people immediately started realizing the reality of the existence we live in with things like 12 Monkeys and all these other movies. And I just saw a post, which this will underscore how important it is to have at least a slightly classical education and understand your myth. Um, and I had forgotten this because I don't really care for sad movies or gross movies or violent movies. I think all, a little of all of that in 12 Monkeys. As a matter of fact, I don't think I've seen it for over 20 years. But someone said there's a scene when they're hearing about a boy down the well um, in that movie. And then they later find out on a radio broadcast or something like that. I've forgotten that that's a lie. And I would point out this plays into exactly what Jason and I have been trying to point out. This is the myth of Althea, or Veritas, depending on which version you go, Greek or Roman, down the well. Um, these are critical things to, to know, and I'll go so far to say is I'd be very surprised, and again, I haven't seen this movie recently, so I am literally giving you a hunch, an intuition, that if someone did look through that movie where they're however it's done on a radio someone just posted it and i read it um they're, they're talking about a boy down the well i'm guessing it's the news and they later find out it's a hoax i'm almost certain you will hear something to do with no feet bare feet or shoes which would further identify it to a thinking mind to let them know that what's being leveraged on is an ancient archetype to tell a lie which is basically how cnn opened its doors which jason and i covered anyhow um what can you add, Jason? Well, we've, we could probably talk about uh, some of the stuff we've got coming up because as Crow opened with, we're, we're kind of tired of all the fear stuff and all the negativity and all the doom and gloom. It's just, it's getting old, man. It really is. Now, hopefully, if things don't uh, go cuckoo, by Friday, things will be opening up in a lot of states, uh, mine included, <clears throat> right now. And... If they don't, I think they're going to start seeing more problems because the one thing I can definitely say I really approve of is uh, people going out and doing some kind of uh, protesting and all that kind of thing. Right. Um, right now when I go outside, and I'm kind of intuitive this way, um, what I'll call the ether feels heavy and slow. 
the kind of sense of being outside uh, in the world, mind and community feels heavy and slow. And this is exactly why we're not going to feed into the fear narrative as much as possible when we're doing our show. So many truth channels are doom and gloom, end of the world, this nonsense or that nonsense. Um, this feeds the narrative in a way that helps the people that are doing these horrible things. Um, and I'll give you an example. My wife and I walked down to the beach. Um, and we're coming up. We saw neighbors. I noticed they didn't have masks. I stopped to talk to them. I look them dead in the eye and I said, I'll come over and talk to you. I just don't want to freak you out. Uh, I'm not concerned in the least. Are you? Turns out they weren't either. So, you know, I didn't nuzzle up on them, but I got much closer and talked to them for a decent amount of time. Um, but the idea I'm expressing is to be positive, up upbeat, know to the core of your bones that you will never give away your freedom of choice that was given you along with the divine spark that makes you a human being and start to try to lift spirits in this world because that in fact works against what's going on. Almost everything we've seen has been based on a fear narrative and I don't know how many times Jason and I have covered that when a spell is going to be cast, ingredient numero uno is a high state of emotion and that's why movies and TV are so dangerous because Mr. Walt Disney proved all the way back in I think 1939 that he could draw cartoons on a picture page and then run them in a theater and get people to cry so there's kind of dividing line adults before that never gonna cry because of a comic adults after that cry every sad comic comes along and that's the measure of what we're talking about but anyhow, um, I don't even recall what else we have coming. Do you, Jason? Well, let's take them on because we got a super chat question that we should answer. So let me okay. say thank you to Cody and Rob Cleveland. Thanks so much for the super chats. But Matthew Ross, thank you for the super chat. And the question from Matthew is, do you know what the Triscalian symbol represents? Random question, but I'm researching symbols. What does the lion symbolize to the royals? I know you've referenced it. Isn't the Triscalian the thing from uh, The Legend of Zelda or is that something else? Um, I'll have to look it up to make sure I can answer the lion That's thing a joke, right out way. of the gate. Yeah, the, the lion thing I can take right out of the gate. Um, how do I do this without feeding into the anti-Semitic trap that's been set? First of all, I'll say the lion is referred to as the king of the jungle. There's a reason for that because on the Serengeti plain ain't nothing kicking a lion's butt for the most part. So there's the idea of power there, which is often why it's associated with royals. But even more so... Back in the day, before our sky clock got jacked, the sign of the sun is Leo the lion. You will also notice that the tribe of Judah, hint, 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 is symbolized by the lion. There's a lot more I could go into, but there was a time, apparently, when the height of the power of the sun that we call the summer solstice was in the sign of the lion, and it's a bit baffling because they're also claiming at the same time that the equinox was in the side of the ram. The equinox is in the sign of the ram now, but the height of the power of the sun is in cancer, so don't ask me how to untangle that. I can't. Um, to get to the Triskelion, let me look real quick to see what it actually is to make sure I know. Well, I can tell you the official one. It's uh, a symbol consisting of three bent human legs, or more generally, three interlocked spirals, joined in such a way that the overall emblem has a threefold rotational symmetry, but no reflection symmetries. Now, I've seen this used in a bunch of other places, and I was kidding about the Legend of Zelda thing. That's called the Triforce, for anybody who's old enough to have played the original Legend of Zelda. But... <clears throat> 
Uh, this is apparently from the Greek, meaning three-legged. And I don't know exactly what this is used for. Well, there's a few things going on here, and, and I have a feeling that esoterically or Well, there's the Trinity thing. Let's, let's not forget yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. That. The Trinity is everything and always will be. And the reason for that is because if you're going to create anything, the first thing you can do is put a dot on a page. But all you've got is a dot on a page. If you want something more, you have to put another dot. Now you've got a line. But no form is made until the third thing goes down on the page. And there's your big symbolism for three. You could think of a stool, right? You need at least three legs before a stool will work. Um, but I noticed in the triskelions I'm looking at that all the spirals travel in the same direction. Um, but I see them going in both directions, counterclockwise and clockwise. I would imagine um, that this is the sacred three trinity idea, but those spirals also have me thinking about how the sky clock actually moves. The motion. But, if, yeah, if you get into Walter Russell, you're going to find out from Russell's point of view uh, in his illumination for 39 days that everything moves in a spiral. Um, so the short answer is I can't tell you for sure. But on the face of it, I can associate it with many other things that we're at least mildly aware of. Well, the, the whole, oh, by the way, thank you, Craft Bear, for the super chat. Thanks so much. The, uh, the, the concept of the Trinity is ungodly important going back God knows how long. So that's something to really keep in mind. And anything that embodies the concept of the Trinity is definitely representing something that does go back into antiquity. We really don't even know how long. One of the earliest triumvirates uh, that I, I know of is, is from India, which is, uh, see if I remember them, it's Vishnu, Shiva, and can't remember the other one, but easy enough to look up. But the concept of the Trinity was definitely not new with Christianity. And uh, by the way, that the whole lion thing also is something taken out of the Bible. And I know there's a lot of uh, arguments about that with the whole Mandela thing, but the lion was still a, a huge representation, a huge representational symbol in the Bible and got used uh, in the royalty symbols and all that representing like the most fierce or the most high or the ones on top, you know how the royals are. They all think that they're poopy, don't stink. Um, yeah, I think it's usually Brahma, Vishnu, and Shiva, but there are, there are variations on that as well. There are. Um, One of them is interchangeable, and it might be Shiva, because Shiva is uh, a, god, a goddess of destruction and chaos and, and rebirth and kind of a, a mixed thing, but I know they do get interchanged. Uh, let's be practical. Thank you so much for the super chat. But what I was going to say is uh, a symbol that's even older than the Triskelion, if you're getting into symbols, that one can look at is a dot with a circle around it. And if you've ever seen or read The Watchmen, you'll notice that that was the symbol used by Dr. Manhattan. Uh-oh, you opened a door. I, I sure did. And I'm, um, I'm not going to go crazy with with this, but the whole point is that it is one of the oldest symbols representing a um, a godlike figure into antiquity. But uh, what do you what do I you can, want to add to that? I can, I can tell you why. Um, if you go back to the oldest forms of astronomy, astrology, when they were both the same thing, that would represent the sun which is why it's always been godly. Um, you know, the sun's always represented by gold. That's why Manhattan's wearing it, because he's godlike. Um, the most powerful symbol is always the sun. But here's where I can get into the occulted version. When the fake murderer of JFK went down, that was the killing of the king. Uh, 
which was actually very well laid out in King Kill 33 by James Shelby Downard, which is almost impossible to get your hands on a full copy. Um, but the point being is if you go look at where they put JFK's body um, when the wake or whatever you want to call it was going on, they put him in a circle where he was the dot in the center. If you go to where the universal or whatever they call it, the never-ending light, what's it called? The 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 ever-burning torch, I don't know what the name of it is, I've forgotten. It's the same idea going on, and there's your symbolism. They're using the circle with the foci in the middle, the dot, which has always historically represented the sun and, by proxy, a king. Um, all that was played out in the JFK nonsense. Paul Martinson, uh, thank, thank you again for the super chat, and he says, wonder if their trinity is just the inverted perversion. You know, I don't think so. Um, this is the problem with modern religions. And I'm going to say a thing carefully so that I hopefully don't hear a thousand minds snap shut. Um, you got to learn to learn. And other human beings are just like you. And they have plenty to teach you. Other cultures, other spiritual traditions. And so when you look at these old things that you might find carved on a rock or something, yeah, man, there's something that you can learn from that. Does it have to be a religious tradition? No, it doesn't. You get to choose. You know why? Because why I opened up this podcast today. You have free will. That free will allows you to choose your spiritual path. But in knowing that, it means other people had the same choice. And they may have chosen differently than you. But if they do choose differently than you, and let's be fair about it, a lot of spirituality has to do with where you were geographically born. I'm guessing if you had been born in the Middle East, chances are you wouldn't be Christian. And I don't think that's really arguable. There are exceptions to the rule, but I think you know what I'm getting at. My point is, is these symbols transcend uh, what we've been taught in the modern era. And the thing about symbols is it is claimed a symbol can never lose its meaning. That's a hell of a statement. I went at this for years and years, and I finally decided to adopt it as true. And the reason I adopt it as true is because because I currently accept that it's impossible for information to be lost from this system. One of the things that I suspect is going on in our world is every possibility that can be worked out will be worked out. So if that's correct, what would be the purpose of working out all these possibilities if there wasn't a record of it? Things like the Akashic Record speak to what I'm getting at. But to get back to symbols, funny thing about symbols, when you look at a symbol or things like music, they activate both hem hemispheres of your brain. That's a special thing. And when you go look at the historic use of symbols, is it true that some guy who created a symbol which went into heavy usage 2,000 years ago and then got forgot about, is it true that someone can find that symbol in the modern era and get back to the original meaning? I accept that it is true. So I think symbols are a special important thing and I don't think we should try to force them into a spiritual tradition that we have adopted on our life's path. I think it transcends these things. DZ is asking if there can be a search feature on the website for easier searching through the website. I've already started to go at this. The problem is everything costs money and there's a security concern with everything. Um, and even though I have a degree in internet technology, I've stepped away from coding for so long. I have to have someone do it to make sure that it's solid and safe from hacking and things like this. The, uh, the, the short answer to your question is, is yes, I'm going to get one. And the longer answer is it should be a damn good one because Rose has transcribed every single episode, which means that search will potentially be able to go across every search PDF I've created. 
which is quite a strong search function. But I hope maybe by the fall time I can have that put in. Who knows? It's it's just a matter of time and and being able to pay for it. Right. Thanks one one for all for the super chat. So we already have some shows lined up. We could probably talk a little bit about that if uh, we want to go there. Again, trying to keep away from all the negativity and doom and gloom. Yeah, you know, I should add on that last thing. Uh, Rose has a damn near encyclopedic uh, encyclopedic knowledge of what we've covered. As a matter of fact, Rose knows the material better than I do, and I'm not kidding. Um, she's typed it all out by hand. Um, so if someone's ever looking for a particular thing, um, and you really do have to ask, um, we can probably get you there, but I'm sorry, what did you just say? So we, we have several shows already, ready to go and we could probably just, uh, talk about those if we would like to stay away from negative concepts. Um, yeah, um, I think we could do that. Um, I'm hoping people are going to be into the Russell thing. Um, at first we wanted to cover it. Um, but then we started to realize the ancillary value of not feeding into the fear porn that's driving our world right now. Because if you boil down the base of the ideas, whether or not you decide to adopt them or consider that they're correct or incorrect, whatever you decide to do with your free will, um, the ideas are universal. And I'm not making a pun. The book is called The Universal One. But the ideas that we've put forward about cymatics um, when we did that show, I thought people would be blown away because everybody's seen it done, but I'd seen it done so many times I'd never heard anyone explain what's going on. So I figured when, when we covered cymatics and I said, look, you're looking at magic, no form, bam, form and function created out of thin air before your eyes, but it didn't cause that big a stir. We did a similar thing with the mystical world of color episode to show that there is no difference between the cymatics you're watching make a shape and how a color comes to be in our world and that got a little bit bigger drop well when you get up to walter russell he's showing you that everything is related and that the idea of the uniform for for russell it was proof beyond dispute that there had to be a god and it, it's i'm not even saying that right i mean it was in it was proof you couldn't poke a hole in from his point of view. And when you start to think about this, um, it's critical because most of us get on a spiritual path and some dude wearing black with a collar tells us all these things we're supposed to accept are true. And I'm not down with that. You know, if you take a book like the Bible, why is it called the living Bible? Why would that be? Well, from my point of view, it's because any living human being with the divine spark that picks it up and reads it on their own will get something different that fits wherever they are whether they accept it or they don't that's why it, to me it's a living bible because it it's not one size fits all it's one size for whoever picks it up and that's your size um, these kinds of ideas and so when you look at it in that way um, and I'll ask how many people here are Christian how many people have read the bible cover to cover and if some people say they have now I'll go a step further how many people have read it cover to cover in more than one version? As an example, if you read the, the King James, did you also read a Geneva? I'm not going to bring the NIV into this because I don't have a lot of respect for the way they treat language there. But you can see where I'm going. What a difference your religious life would be if you actually picked up that book on your own, seeking in whatever manner you are seeking, and you read those words to and for yourself. 
That's wholly different than walking into a room with 50 people and some dude who got trained to tell you what to believe up front saying, here's what this means. Here's what you need to believe. Now come up and do this, that, and the other thing in front of my magical altar and go sit down and I'll tell you some more things to believe in. And these things may sound abrupt, but it's important. To me, it's important. When you get to someone like Russell, this guy didn't go get told what to believe in. He worked to get to what he calls illumination, the the equivalent of going to heaven in the Christian tradition, the equivalent of being enlightened in the Buddhist tradition, just not permanently, um, to make that comparison. But what he said is this, this proves beyond dispute that there is a God. And these are big ideas in a time like we have now. And as a matter of fact, Jason and I have pulled Wayne in. Um, we're working on a thing that may be kind of jaw-dropping. If we're correct, we still need to prove it out. But I think, I, I think you should understand why we're going down the Russell Road. And the way I arrived at understanding something new about this place um, is not dissimilar to what I saw happen with a lot of Flat Earth people. When Flat Earth people changed their view that this is a spinning globe, all of a sudden, no natural explanation they'd ever been proffered explained how we got here. And I've seen it happen hundreds of times now, probably more than that. All of a sudden, how did we get here? What is this place? How did this place get here? And all of a sudden, spiritual concerns come back to the front. And I will go to my grave saying, I pray mightily that spirituality on any level that matters is never eradicated from our world because that is the main buffer between the evil that's going on now and the mass of humanity independently. To get back to the point, I was in a building one day in California years and years and years ago, and I was just stunned at the architecture and the, the, the way the floors were done and the pillars. And I was thinking, God, man, who, who created this? And lo and behold, there was a plaque saying who the architect was and how they planned it. And I was just amazed that a human being could make such beauty out of stone and tile and all these things. And I walked out. I was in Balboa Park in San Diego, which was put together in one of the early 1900s expo expositions. Maybe it's late 1800s. I don't remember. I walked outside and I looked up and it hit me all at once. Who made this house? And it was from that moment forward that I realized things just don't come into being magically. They're, they're, you know, Something had to put this here. And that is a big part of what we're facing here in this world right now. Because if you go with these bigger ideas and you think about, am I special as a human being? Do I have a divine spark? How did I get here? Why do I have free will? How in the hell did the world get here? Who built this place? A human being thinking in these terms is far from fear and far from controllable. Um, and I know that's a bit of a soapbox rant, soapbox rant, but there it all is. Paul Martinson, thanks for the super chat again. Uh, he's saying, some say the Bible has been changed. I think that's on the individual to decide for themselves. And of course, that opens up its own set of doors that uh, you may or may not want to go down. But there, there, there's things we've discussed about what that could actually mean and, and how it could have been done and all that sort of thing. There's there's a lot of things that must be considered, I think, and you can't just <clears throat> subscribe to one concept without legitimate proof, in my opinion. Well, yeah, we can, we can demonstrate all day long that men have had their way with that. They call it the Bible, and that covers every book with that title. Yet you can't put two of them next next to each other and get the same message. Go ahead, pick up King James. 
pick up a 1611 King James if you really want to get your head blown off. Um, just the language alone. They're using language in the 1611 prior to personhood. They're not saying you and person and me. They're saying thee and thou. Well, why is that? Well, because we don't have corporate personhood yet for one reason. That's why that language went away, part of the reason. But then go get a Geneva. Very few people are, are aware that one of the main Bibles that first came to the United States as it was being found out was the Geneva. Um, and there are plenty of other versions. And you can almost verbatim pick a passage, pick a scripture, and compare it. And it's so kind of overwhelming that if you're a logically minded person, you'll begin to understand. This is on me. This book is not going to give me the magic secrets to the universe. I may use it to learn to announce my intention that I want to be more than I currently am. But there's your living Bible aspect. Can it launch you to something more? I think it can all day long. But if you look at one and it tells you, oh, there's a firmament, then you look at another and it tells you, oh, there's a heaven. Then you look at another and it tells you, oh, there's a sky. Those are three vastly, vastly different ideas. And yet I can name the three Bibles that will tell you those three very things. And so what it comes down to, to me, is the intention of a human being. And by the way, not being told by some dude who was trained somewhere in this world to tell you what to believe. Because that is you sacrificing your, your free will, to be blunt about it. But where were we headed before I got on this rant, Jason? Well, we were talking about some of the things that we have coming up. Uh, one of the big ones, of course, is going to be Henry Kissinger. We're, we're done writing that. And that's just a perfect example of somebody who is taking the notes from the higher up and disseminating them out to the, to the rest of the scumbags. <laughs> yeah, um, Henry talking scumbags, Henry Kissinger's right there at the top. Henry Kissinger is like the political equivalent to Bernays. <laughs> you know how much work we've done to show the damage Bernays did um, through marketing and using his uncle's mind hacking tricks? Well, Henry Kissinger is that in politics in a lot of ways. Um, and here's a point that I would further make for everyone who's so worried, concerned, scared about what's going on in the world. Do you believe that a human being stops? Like when the lights go out and it's your day to die, is that the end of you? Is it just black? You're, you're no more, there's no more thought, there's no more anything? I don't accept that. I don't accept that for a second. From my point of view, a human being is more than that. And the sum of what we do here contributes to whatever we do next. If you think in this way, then <laughs> I gotta ask, if you could trade places with one of these rich people doing all these bad things who have anything they could want in the world, probably, would you? I wouldn't do it ever, ever, ever. From my point of view, it's possible they've lost their passport. They're not going any further than this. They're out of the damn game, which is why they're willing to do such heinous things. If that's not correct, then I know certainly what universal law is, and they're violating it all the time. And there is one hell-bent price to pay for doing things like that. As a matter of fact, in the book of Genesis and almost every other major religion I can point to, there's an idea of a great flood. In many of the versions, the reason that flood comes is because the kind of low-minded descent of human activity had got to such a low, it was time for the earth to get cleaned off. And I'm here to tell you that these people tie their ribbon, their boat, to the line of Cain, the first murder in Western religion, Cain. Murders brother Abel. Down his descendant line is Tubal Cain. 
and those are the people that claim all the rock stars, all the movie stars, all the big A-player names apparently claim descent from that. And how do we know? There's so many ways we know. Um, but to make a fine point, Tubal Cain claims he invented metalwork. All these arts Tubal Cain claims he brought to the world. Um, so you can make the one-to-one -one match. But here's my point. If you were a religious person, the Bible told you that God flooded the world to wash those people away. Yet in the new movie with Russell Crowe, they'll show you that Tubal Cain snuck onto the ark and somehow he lived. Whatever's true, it doesn't matter. What these people are doing is they're hooking their bloodline to a thing that doesn't have one good story to tell about it, other than maybe they invented some arts. So in the run of what we're putting up with here today, would you rather be here with me putting up with a bunch of inconvenient nonsense, or would you rather be carrying the bag all those people who are doing this are carrying you? I'll take where I'm sitting all day long every day of the week. And I think you should try to remember that. Don't let it get you down. Because this is not everything. This is Even if somehow we lost our lives during the course of this, if, if you held on to your free freedom of choice and your spiritual values, then you've done something. Um, I'm just pointing it out. I'm trying to make the case here that there really is no reason to be afraid or worried. There's so much more than this, and yet we're all acting like this is all there is. Anyhow, I'll, I'll get off the soapbox. <laughs> what kind of soap is it? Is it ivory? <laughs> as white <laughs> as snow. <laughs> we, we hope. <laughs> I think Edward Bernays would hope that it was ivory. He was well paid to make sure that you like ivory soap. No doubt about that. Um, maybe so, the truth is we don't need so. <laughs> well, I like to be clean. But anyway, I, I think maybe we should take a moment to talk about Lena Poo because she, she is definitely on her game and uh, she's coming back with us. Uh, this is her second visit and she's done a whole lot of work since, uh, right. since she's been on with us last. Right. So we're going to run Lena Poo again, who's a 5G expert. Uh, she was working with Cal Washington at the Empower Movement. She branched off to try to figure out other solutions, which I think is great all day. Um, first person who gets a win kicks the door down for everyone. She's worked on a reverse of liability dock, but what she's tried to do is include a uh, enforcement. So what's been missing in all this kind of reverse of liability is the same system that's used against you that has enforcement. Um, we are flipping around to use on these places to make them answer to the same piper. But the problem is, is if they ignore it, there hasn't typically been enforcement. Uh, there's a thread on crow777radio.com that Lena Poo just opened that gives some links. Um, she's had to open a Patreon to keep it all away from censorship. Um, so I think the access, did I get that right? Is it, is it the Patreon that gets access to the 27 pages of reversing liability? Was yes, that right? Which is, which is all available from, uh, Lena's fabulous frequencies. I believe it is. Let me double check real quick. Pretty sure it's, it's Lena's fabulous frequencies. Right. And um, then she's got the links for all that. Let me get yeah, the link. I'll put it in the chat If you remember, room. you can go to the main forum at Crow Triple Seven Radio and link out there. Um, but it's an interesting, she, she lays out in the episode we're going to run. I don't know. Maybe it'll be next Saturday. It might be the following Thursday. We haven't decided yet. 
um, she lays out the whole game plan right there during the episode. Um, but what's fascinating is everyone's been pretty Im- impressed with what Cal Washington has come up with and what he's tried to pull off. And what Lena's done is said, I want to see if I can figure out an even better way, and I'm going to try to put enforcement in this. As a matter of fact, I know Cal Washington is also working for an angle on enforcement. So these are exciting things because literally the first person who shows a success has just blown the damn door off its hinges with dynamite. Um, there could be endless numbers of people who could then push right back against so much of the nonsense by the rules of the people who made the rules, by the way. And uh, who is the other gentleman that's involved with uh, Walter Russell that we're going to have on? Uh, we're going to have on the science officer. Um, that's still, I don't know enough about it yet, uh, but the, the, the upside is is that being the science officer, he is going to be able to correlate the nuts and bolts of uh, what's in those diagrams and the ideas of Russell to a science kind of level, which I think is critically important. But we also did a, uh, we've recorded a magnetic health practitioner, yes. which I think people might be into. How many medical professionals have we had on that are telling you right now that it's quite likely you get the flu or or the cold because of magnetic, electromagnetic concerns, the fields of your body dropping low. Uh, Frank Olina is the first person we talked to that told, told us um, the Germans were about to publish, I think the Germans were blocked, that what's actually going on when you get the flu is your electromagnetic level has dropped and so the way they describe it is electromagnetic vampirism. In other words, all your energy, your fields have dropped so low that your energy is being sucked off. And as your field drops low, it actually attracts like a magnet uh, the, the things that will make you feel bad in electromagnetic form. Now think back to the old days when people were saying, oh, the humors and the spirits are making us sick. Doesn't sound so nonsense, does it, when you start thinking about electromagnetics. But anyhow... To come up to the current episode, and by the way, we did have Andy Kaufman. We've had a few people that have covered this. Uh, Bear Bear Lando covered similar ideas. Um, the guy we just covered is actually a magnetic health practitioner. I can't remember the correct word for it, but we'll be covering it, where he's actually using magnets to try to treat the body. Um, so to me, that was an interesting episode. I don't know what you thought about it. You like that episode? Actually, I did, yeah. It was... Uh... You know, I've heard of these concepts before, and I've always thought that electromagnetism plays a far greater uh, – with the whole physics and everything, I think it just it, – it plays a far greater part in our reality than mainstream science likes to let on. And they probably know it on, on a lot of levels too. Oh, I didn't even catch that you were shooting me things because you know I never pay attention to uh, – I, I'm do- getting to them. Um the only one we didn't do was the newest one here yet. I'm putting them there because I haven't figured okay. out yet what to do with this chat. Maybe somebody can tell me this. Uh, when we get super chats, if we get too many in a row and the chat keeps going, I don't know how to get back up to them. So I don't, uh, I don't t- think you can. I tried. Uh, yeah, I so I copy I the questions out and drop them in Skype so that they're not disappearing on me because I, I do my damnedest to make sure I get to everybody. So Sam C, thank you for the super chat and is asking or saying that words create image in your head, you accept it or not, and number are placeholders. The biggest magic trick, the biggest magic trick on humanity was the alphanumeric system. So I think you're getting at the very root of the kind of magic-y stuff that's dishonestly done to us through every medium, from school to television, to movies, 
It's true. If someone puts an image in front of your eyes, they have basically hijacked your brain for the moment or however long you take to look at that image and come to some realization. Think about this. You could take a perfectly happy person and then walk up to them and put a horrendous picture in front of them. You've just stolen their happiness that easily. Um, and so at the root of what you're writing, I'm glad you recognize it. Yeah. But for the alphanumeric thing, um, I've often thought if we use maybe characters like Chinese, we'd be better off because those symbols would activate both sides of our mind in the same way music does. But the truth about numbers is we have a system. We're not getting away from it. So let's just be honest about that. Numbers are not evil per se. It's whoever puts the intent in them. Like everyone always comes and writes me an email about how six is evil. Well, no, six is not evil. I use six every day and I don't put one negative thought in any usage of the number six. As a matter of fact, I spend my life, like I'm using three sevens. Crowley used the same three sevens, but there is a major difference between how I'm using them and he used them. He was using them as a self-centered kind of pig from my point of view. I'm using them with the intention of the benefit of all living things. So there's the same numbers used in two different ways. But at the root of what you're saying, it's completely true. You can hijack someone's mind so easily with simply symbols or images. Yeah, and there's nothing evil about anything, even the symbols and everything like that. You have to keep in mind that everything, and we, I know we've said this a million times, it's about intent, what is going behind it. Now, of course, certain right. symbols have massive... <sighs> Uh, what would you say, connotations to them, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the symbol itself is evil. It's what what does that represent to you? What are you putting behind it? And it's always about what you put out into the universe. What energy are you pushing out from your will and your impression into the greater whole of the universe? And it's all energy and it's all ebb and flow. And again, this is why we're getting into the whole Walter Russell thing because it, it describes that and actually gives you almost a physics of sort to start understanding how all this works. Here's... Here's the thing. I kind of started a thing the other day on Twitter. I don't really ever post on Twitter unless I'm putting up an episode. I don't communicate there. But this is what I said. How is it that 33% represents one-third of 100% when in all actuality it doesn't, right? Everyone can take 33, replicate it three times, add it together. You get to 99. That's not 100% by the, by the rules we're given, right? Well, I'm here to tell you maybe it is. As someone rightly just posted um, over there in the comments, nine is a completion number. It's the highest number we have in our system. There is no higher number than nine in our system. That's it. Um, so when you take a number like 99%, those are two nines. Magical thing about nines that proves they're special is they always come back to themselves. If I take 99% and I add the two nines together, I get 18 if I reduce it all the way, one and eight becomes nine again. Nine comes back to itself. Is it possible that 33 isn't actually factually one third of 100%? It's just that 99% is 100%? Is that a possible thing? See what I'm saying here? So when we start to get into numbers, the big problem is how they've been used. And I give another example. For probably thousands of years, versions of the swastika were among the most holy symbols used in some of the most respectable spiritual traditions that stated we're doing these spiritual things for the benefit of every living human being. And I don't give a darn 
what you think is correct about spirituality, if you cannot rec recognize the noble intention of saying, I will spend my life doing these spiritual things for the benefit of all living beings, then you're kind of missing a boat there. But the swastika, whether it was turned left or right, uh, was tied to these spiritual traditions. Look what was done with that symbol in World War II. And it was all done on a lie, by the way. And probably I'll never get into this, because Jason and I got a couple threats that we took pretty seriously about covering anything to do with Judaism at a certain level that we'd be shut down, no questions asked. Uh, I was told twice from a source that I believe. My point here is, you want to know something about World War II? It's maybe one of the only things you need to know instead of getting stuck in the details. Before World War II, there was no central bank. After World War II, there was a central bank. But to get back to the symbol... The symbol they demonized in World War II turned it into this evil thing that everyone thinks of as a black spider, um, as it was used in Sound of Music. I think it was referred to as a black spider to further imprint this negative connotation on this pretty holy symbol. Been around for thousands of years. This is what we're talking about. Um, the symbol on its own has no intrinsic value. It's the intent that's put behind it. Right. And, uh, you know, maybe one of the last things we could touch on is something that's been brought up to us multiple times, and that's uh, Bill Gates and what his real role is, because we've been kicking around the idea of doing an episode that ties in with him, but we haven't quite gotten there yet. But maybe we should explain a little bit how we've been going back and forth about Bill Gates. Bill Gates is an actor. Bill Gates is any number of things, but he's a face that you're meant to stare at. He's the... He's the punching bag. He's the uh, fall in love with me guy. He's the, the foci for all the human minds to get lost in. Uh, it does not take a genius to understand that Bill Gates has no place in this world because he's rich telling you anything medical. He dropped out of college. He's got no medical chops at all. No degree, no training, no nothing. Um, so a logical mind doesn't even need to go down these roads. You know it's nonsense on the face of it. But the thing about Bill Gates is he's one of those family names, isn't he? And he was put like he's almost like Elon Musk, if you wanted to look at it that way. Um, and by the way, the interesting thing about Elon Musk is I actually have neighbors that live like a few miles away from me that I just happened to talk to. And one of these guys was a venture capitalist who actually went to Tesla and met um, the Musk team and Musk and I asked him um, is Musk really a genius and he looked me in the eye and said he might be a genius but he doesn't know a damn thing about how anything works and I just laughed and left it right there he's an actor isn't he uh, Stephen Hawking's was an actor and I think when we look at Bill Gates we're looking at a similar thing um, these people who become the foci um, the, the kind of magnetic mind-stealing center that everyone can either hate or love or do whatever the hell they want to do. Um, you're not looking at the tip of the pyramid there. That's my take on it. <laughs> uh, as Frog is saying, I'll venture this guess. Bill will soon disappear, the same as JFK, RFK, MLK, and so many others. Do you know, I, I don't know about that. I don't know. I was actually what he just wrote. I, I actually crossed my mind the other day because so many people are hating on him because of the inoculation nonsense and all the tech, you know, putting a chip in it and all these ideas that are boiling people's blood, which is what it's intended to do. Um, if that level of we really don't like you anymore and there's a few hundred million of us, I wouldn't be surprised to see him disappear. I really wouldn't. 
I intuitively I feel like he's he's kind of connected in more though. He's not just a figurehead. I could be totally wrong. I'm just going off of gut instinct here, but something inside of me says that this guy is such a piece of shit that he's not only eating the poop crackers, he's helping to hand them hand them out to others. You know, if we ever get around to being able to show the apple apple idea that I've gone over with you, um, we'll ask, we'll address it between the two of us at that point. What's your views on Gates? Let's make that deal. I can't make a definite call, but I know what my gut's telling me, and I can smell that apple pie's smelling a little torched in the kitchen when I think about it. So that's a good indicator for me that I'm at least in the right vein. But after we go at the apple apple idea, let's 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 remeasure and see what we think. Yeah, well, again, I'm not basing that on anything other than a gut instinct that that guy's just dialed in. And he is to a point when we know that his family is obviously part of uh, – at least one higher up rung of the superstructure up above the politicians on it, because you're not into eugenics. If you're not part of the, uh, what shall we say? The, the, the controlling the, the greater controlling faction. Okay. Well then why is Fishburne doing it? Why is Madonna pre echoing all this? Not, you know, we could well, they, make the those same are, argument. Those are, those are ding dong uh, celebrities. I, though. Well, they are, but I would imagine there is some benefit, you know, it's, it's gotta be something more than you're under contract, doesn't it? Well, people fucking, excuse me, sell their damn souls for a contract of fame at this point in existence. I mean, maybe some will, but I'm saying there's got to be a bigger payback um, from my point of view. Um, and by the way, why is it always the big iconic artist like Madonna that's going to put on the gas mask and pre-echo bat fever? <laughs> I'm uh, just saying. I don't remember who I was on with, if it was you or somebody else, but if Madonna... I think it was with uh, with Mark, wasn't it, that I said this? Madonna is one of those people, probably like Lady Gaga now, but I think Madonna's higher up the rungs. She's not just taking part because she wanted to be famous. I think she really enjoys what it is she's doing and what she's a part of. And she wants to continue. I mean, she's like, what, 60-something now? And she's, she's still strutting She's in the Bush around? bloodline, isn't she? So she's related to Vlad the Impaler. Right, maybe so they, it, it's all maybe this Maybe they really are bloodsuckers. Maybe all those movies were telling us the truth. Who knows? I just I kind of picture Madonna as another one like Bill Gates, where she's not just eating the poop crackers; she's handing them out. Yeah, I got caught almost dropping an f bomb. That was close. <laughs> you did say it. <laughs> Some C, thanks again for the uh, the super chat. Says uh, number and letter are not image symbol are powerful because they are thousand words and number. They got us because the concept they create with theirs word we see through the mind. Think about it. I'm not sure what that says. Uh, Zuck has to be either MK Ultra or higher quality Sophia, but Zuckerberg's a real person. I just think that he uh, he also got used by the system and, and is again a, a face for us to throw tomatoes at, like so many of these these creatures. So, how old was Zuckerberg? Like 21 or something yeah, when all this 20s. started? Yeah. So you you think the world the World Power Organization let a 21 year old kid? run and control something as powerful as Facebook. Facebook will end up have of having been one of the most powerful digital tools of our era. It connected everything we were thinking to everyone we knew and everywhere we'd ever been. There is no the whole basis for Tavistock, like if I want to boil it down to oversimplify it, it's based on polling. That is the hugest part of Tavistock. That's how they figure out what will work and how they measure if they can make something work is with versions of polling. It's a lot more sophisticated than that. 
But what Facebook is, is the ultimate polling device because we're just begging to give up all the data they want. Um, I'm just saying, <laughs> there's there's no way in hell a 21-year-old kid was allowed to control and operate the most powerful tool of the 21st century. <laughs> Rachel, thank you for the uh, super chat. And, oh, we got another one. Paul, thank you. The new bad F word is Fauci. That's kind of funny. It actually is. A good friend of ours, <laughs> um, a good friend of ours that speaks Italian informed us that means the jaws of the wolf. Really? That's what Fauci translates to. Yeah, Giancarlo popped in and dropped that gem. Ah, I didn't know that one. That's uh, quite appropriate. Man, it, it, it's just like they're in the right places for the right reasons for the bad guys, huh? How many times do we got to cover this, man? You guys, you people need to go look up James Shelby Downard. It's difficult to get anything. Don't fall for the $500 book on Amazon. It has a lot of his material, but he did not write it. If you search hard enough online, you can get ver versions of King Kill or Kill King 33. He is the man who proved onomology, the magic of names, toponymy, the magic of places. He is the man that cracked the truth about JFK. Well, almost. He didn't realize that the, I don't think he maybe did, doesn't seem to have realized that the assassination was fake. Um, he thinks he writes about it as if it was real, but nonetheless, he shows how the magical game board to warp the minds of everybody and make this work. He shows how it all works. He's the guy who cracked it. So it's not amazing that Fauci fits the bill. It would be amazing if he didn't, you could take anyone's name that's involved in this. And I would be surprised if you couldn't drive magical meaning out of their name. You know, I just thought about this, but if indeed uh, a lot of things get lifted, then our next week's live stream will be, hopefully, with a lot of people having some freedom back, and we'll see if that's true or not, but uh, that might uh, that might end up being a very different flavor that we're going to be dealing with next week. We'll have the freedom that we demand. That's plain and simple. As soon as people are tired of being afraid or they grow up a little bit and start to reassess and act like adults, as soon as they realize that each of us has free will given to us by whoever gave us the divine spark. However we got that divine spark, we got that other thing too called free will. Universal laws prohibit the violation of your free will, which is why all these sneaky underhanded magical systems exist in this world to get a person to give up their free will without realizing they just did it or being so desperate that they do it because they don't think there's a better option. But for a person who understands this isn't all there is and how important your free will actually is because you, he didn't give it to a bear or a wolf or any other thing here. It's a pretty special thing. Uh, if you give that up, I don't know, man, do you deserve to go on? I'm just asking. I can't answer that. But it seems to me when you're giving uh, such a precious thing, if you give it up so easily, then maybe you don't deserve it in the first place. Maybe that's what's being tested in all this. I don't know. So we're just about there. And Rose wants me to bring up something about one of the songs I've written that's on the EPA release that a lot of people have been listening to lately. Uh, the song that I use every Wednesday for the live stream is from that EP. But I played a song last night for Rose from that EP called You Were Once a Hero. And I told her one of the funny little secrets about uh, how I always lace different meanings into the songs I write. And uh, <laughs> now it sounds like it's about a girl betraying me. And that's partially where I drew inspiration from, but I also drew it from 
making the realization, and of course I wrote this years after the fact, but I drew on the memory of finding out that Alex Jones and accepting that Alex Jones is a, uh, is a gatekeeping shill and feeling betrayed because the song is generally about betrayal. So if you go, go back to that song, you could hear it for free on my, my uh, Cult of Saturn band camp. Listen to the words, and uh, you guys can let me know what you think on the next couple of live streams. I think Rose is probably laughing right now. But anyway, that's going to do it for us, Crow. Any, any final thoughts here? Uh, you know what? Everybody needs to buck up. Everyone needs to man up and woman up and living man and living woman up and every kind of up you can up and quit being so cowardly and beat down and afraid. That is like half the spell. That is what's driving so much of what we see. We're going to probably get what we deserve here, and you might as well just resign yourself to it. If we are living human beings and we demand something in mass, guess what? There's a lot of us. Um, if we don't, then that's almost akin to giving up your free will, isn't it? I'm just saying. What's going on sucks, but I would not trade where I am sitting with all the inconveniences and sucky things I got to deal with. I would not trade one iota of my existence for the people responsible for this because they're carrying a bag of crap so heavy I don't think they could make it through the gate out of here if they tried and I truly suspect that their passport has been revoked by the way anyhow I want to wish you all the best buck up have a better week and we hope to see you all on Thursday man cheers <laughs>